Okay, then. Here we have Doug Bill and Bodie Talk. Namaste. And welcome to Bodhi Talk, where the intention is to inform, inspire, and empower each of us to wake up to who we really are. Not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. My name is Doug Bill, and today on Bodhi Talk, we add another building block to the foundation of our theme for the year, 2020 Vision. Now, over the past few months, I've been talking about basic concepts. Last week, we talked about breathing, and I presented some breathing exercises to help develop and tone, strengthen the nervous system, and uh, sort of quieting the mind and moving into the uh, the importance of understanding how breath is something that can be used as a tool to keep us in the moment. And I've talked about the process of developing mindfulness in general, and um, all the two thought systems, uh, that of the ego and of the Holy Spirit, uh, to contrast the basic framework of how we may choose to approach life. And uh, again, uh, the intention is to awaken, uh, to wake up to our true nature, interconnected like drops in one ocean, and how we're all made of the same stuff. And uh, this is something that we're generally not uh, familiar with or taught in our culture, uh, what is known as non-dualism, where we're all part of one mind, basically. And so these concepts and techniques that I'm presenting are kind of building blocks to form the foundation of this uh, perspective that... Uh, I'm finding for myself and for those who have worked with me as clients uh, in my psychotherapy practice that there's a uh, a way to enhance the quality of their life in general and to move toward waking up to that spiritual beingness. So um, today the uh, the building block I'm going to add to this collection of systems and concepts um, is Byron Katie's the work. Uh, now, Katie is better known as, well, Byron Katie is better known as Katie. Uh, she's given us the work, which is a way of taking the stress out of those day-to-day -day interactions that can be so draining. Now, Katie has a pretty interesting story herself. Um, she went through a, a process that left her so drained that she was in a near catatonic state and ended up being admitted to this sort of a treatment program, um, and what she, what she was dealing with was uh, maybe an extreme form of what many of us are uh, stressed out over, like her husband was an alcoholic and her um, adolescent children were getting into drinking and driving and sex and drugs and the whole shebang, and it was a matter of her reacting to all of that. You shouldn't do this, stop that, and this is terrible, and all of that. And it was just 
such a, actually referred to herself as a rageaholic. And all this reactivity and the energy that she was uh, putting out there was, like I say, it just, it drained her so totally that she was just in uh, that, that state where she just wasn't functioning and very withdrawn. And uh, so, as I say, she was in this facility where soon, well, I'm not sure exactly how long she was there, but eventually, uh, and it wasn't through the therapeutic process that was going on around her, but uh, just sort of an internal dialogue and self-inquiry, which is what the work is. But um, she found herself rather spontaneously going through this process as she looked at all these things that were so wrong in her life. Um, and she began just spontaneously doing what she later called the work, which is where the first point is to, as she put it, judge your neighbor. Now, it's important to remember that this doesn't have to be an external person or uh, situation. Uh, it can, and most often it really is oneself. So uh, making this judgment about whatever it is that's going on, uh, externally or internally. And the next thing that she found herself asking, well, is that really true, that this shouldn't be happening? And, of course, her reaction immediately was, well, yeah, it's it's dysfunctional, it's dangerous, it's it's wrong, and it shouldn't be happening. And uh, so the ego mind was saying, yes, that judgment is valid, I shouldn't be doing that, uh, or that person shouldn't be doing that. And then the next question, though, is, can I be absolutely certain that this shouldn't be happening? And this is where it took her to a deeper level, where she recognized that there were circumstances in the past where something that she was resisting very strongly with the ego mind saying, well, yeah, this is definitely dysfunctional, wrong, it shouldn't be happening. And yet, over time, looking back, when that situation uh, was over with and whatever happened, uh, uh, she looked, she realized that when looking back on that kind of situation that it really kind of became something that she now um, appreciates that it happened. That, yeah, it was a very difficult thing and it certainly seemed wrong, but because of that wrongness happening, there was uh, a shift in my life. There was uh, things that happened that actually worked out really well um, in the process. And so she realized that to answer that second question, can I uh, be absolutely certain that this shouldn't be happening, uh, she realized she could never say yes because she doesn't know where anything that is going on right now is going to lead. But when she asked the third question, what is my story when I hold on to this belief? Well, that's where she realized there's a lot of stress. I'm resisting other, and it may, again, it, it may be internal. I might be fighting against myself and beating myself up and just uh, wearing myself down or wearing out the other person in front of me, which is that conflictual process is very stressful and, again, draining of energy. And so having a clear understanding of that, she then went to the fourth question in the work. Where would my story go, or what would my story be, if I didn't resist that, if I somehow just sort of looked at the fact that, okay, it's happening, I don't really know where it's going to go, 
And if I were to, this is where the title of her book comes in, Loving What Is. If I were to love what's happening, instead of fighting against it, what would my story be like? And that's where there's this transformation. There's no more s stress happening. And there's a, a kind of a, uh, a deepening resolve that, okay, well, this is not such a, a horrible situation. Uh, when we're not fighting each other, we might actually be able to find a way to resolve this. If I'm uh, looking at you not as my enemy, but as someone who's uh, struggling and doing the best you, he, or she uh, can do with what you've been given, and I'm not judging you, then you take that whole uh, part of the formula out of the picture, and it's a whole different scene. And then following these four questions, okay, there's you judge your neighbor, ask four questions, and then you turn it around. That's the work. And the turnaround is a very interesting process. A very basic uh, example of this is if I'm saying you shouldn't be so judgmental, and I go through those four questions and I realize, yeah, it's stressful if I hold on to that, and I don't really know uh, what's going to be going on. Uh, and if I love this, that you're doing that, judging, uh, then I'm not stressed. But then the turnaround is where, this is where I use the example of the, the typical gesture that we make when we're judging somebody. we got that uh, index finger pointing out and the other fingers are clasped under the thumb. But I realize that, okay, there's only one finger pointing out, but there's three fingers pointing back at me. So the turnaround is about sort of owning the situation. And that's where, if I'm telling you, for example, not to be judgmental, well, that in itself is a judgment, and I need to look at myself and let go of that. And of course, it gets a little more complicated and challenging as we move into this process. Um, but uh, that's that's basically what the 12 step or not the 12 step uh, what the uh, the work is all about taking judge your neighbor ask four questions and then turn it around so uh, there's a lot more to this work than just that of course uh, but that's the basic format one thing that uh, she points out is that there's three kinds of business in the world there's my business your business and then there's God's business and what I need to do is just stay in my business. If I'm getting into your business, which is where the judging comes in, or God's business, thinking that uh, whatever, uh, the, the arrogance of uh, thinking that God should not allow this to happen, for example. Um, I'm going to be getting into some uh, stressful uh, stuff going on there. So um, stay in your own business. That's the, the message here. And with that, we just step out of that whole drama that opens up to us when we get into other people's or God's business and try to uh, direct the show from that vantage point, as if I have the capacity to do that. And 
uh, inviting all the stress that's associated with that. Um, so looking at what the, the work is all about then is really taking uh, a sense of the day-to-day issues that arise. And whenever, I mean, uh, and this is where all of these systems that I'm describing and all of these uh, techniques, such as even the breathing, uh, it's about moving into the moment. And there's really a way of being. I, I keep referring to that uh, as just sort of a, an umbrella kind of uh, attitude, mindset, uh, and you could say a paradigm that we can approach life. And uh, that's where, again, when I'm talking about these uh, systems as building blocks to form the foundation of this 2020 vision, um, it, it's about taking the effort to really look at what's going on around us and within us and having a sense of purpose in our life. And again, that's where I'm always saying uh, to wake up to who we really are as spiritual beings having a human experience. And this is where there's going to be a shift in the quality of our life to the degree that we open up to this way of being. And this is something that I, I, I talk about, the namaste principle, which is sort of an integration of all of these different concepts. So that's, that's really where I'm going. But I, I, again, I looked at uh, the fact that we are in the year 2020 and chose this theme for the year of uh, that perfect vision, 2020 vision. And all of these different steps are sort of uh, oh, different things that we can work at. Uh, and it is work. I mean, she called, uh, Katie, back to Katie, uh, she called this whole process the work because it really does take some effort and to be mindful of what's going on all the time. So we're going to take a little break here. You're listening to Bodhi Talk. I'm Doug Bill on WJFF. This is Coyote Oldman playing in the background. Okay, welcome back to Bodhi Talk. I'm Doug Bell on WJFF. So we've been talking about this whole, uh, the work of Byron Katie. And now my own experience in, uh, first of all, learning about 
Katie. I actually received a brochure in the mail um, promoting the book. When it first came out, I think it was about 2,000. And there were a few people that were recommending the book, including Eckhart Tolle, and many of you may be familiar with his wisdom and the books and CDs that he's put out there. Um, so when I heard that he was promoting this, I thought, well, this must be good stuff. And then there was this other guy, Stephen Mitchell, who uh, some of you may know about him as well. He's somebody that does these amazing translations of classic texts, including the Tao Te Ching, uh, Lao Tzu's work, and the uh, I think he did the Bhagavad Gita and also uh, the Book of Job, a nice commentary and uh, translation of, of that. Um, so anyhow, I I ordered a copy of the book, and as I was reading it, I, I was actually a little turned off on the just the her language, uh, honey this, sweetie that. And, uh, I mean, I, I could see that the material that she was uh, presenting was really uh, very consistent with what I had come to understand about life. It was just a different way of approaching it. Um, uh, but then somebody actually uh, gave me uh, uh, back, this was, tapes were still going on uh, before CDs. Uh, he gave me a set of the audio format of the book, and it really came alive because in that format, and I, I do highly recommend the book, uh, but also in particularly in the audio format because that is where it really comes alive because she's actually in a sort of a workshop setting presenting the work to an audience who um, are asked individually to come up and present their story and what it is that's stressing them out, and she guides them through the work in a in a very dramatic way where you can hear in the tone of their voice how upset they are, thinking like one one woman was thinking her problems were so much that there was no way she could be helped. But indeed, by the end of the session, she was actually laughing at what she'd been crying about. So, it, like I say, it really comes alive and it has this very transformative, uh, not to say that it is going to bring about an immediate change, but it it provides the framework for the kind of work that we can do. And when we do make that shift in our perspective, it, it can be rather uh, uh, profound and immediate. Uh, it's just like bringing light to a dark area. And one thing I've found, like, of course, I've, I had been studying A Course in Miracles for many years, and that's uh, material that re requires a great deal of uh, thought and just to make it through one sentence after another, breaking it down as to what is really being said here. And then you get into the metaphysics of the whole thing. I mean, it goes on. Uh, the first section of the text of the book is over 600 and some pages. So... Uh, and then there's the workbook and the teacher's manual and other supplements. Uh, what I found about the work is that it sort of cuts to the chase of what the course is really saying. So there's a congruency, and that's what I'm finding um, in a lot of these different systems that I'm presenting. So th there isn't any uh, conflict. Uh, they're just uh, coming to the same essential perspective from different vantage points. And... Uh, one other thing that uh, Katie points out in the book is that the 12-step, Alcoholics Anonymous program, 
Uh, actually, the work sort of incorporates all the 12 steps uh, in a way that uh, makes sense to me. Um, that self-inquiry, the fearless moral inventory, that's a big part of what this is all about. And to just look at uh, the whole context of not resisting what is. And this is where not getting into God's business, like what it is that's happening right now may actually be very painful, very traumatic and all of that, but we may not appreciate it, that in the big picture there is a kind of a divine drama. There's a, uh, when we have a sense of trust, as long as we're doing all that we know we need to do to be responsible in this given situation uh, and reach that point where to do more would be to get into God's business or somebody else's business, but just trust that, okay, this is something that I may not understand, but if I resist it, I'm going to be stressed out. And I just trust that there is a loving presence guiding our lives. And that is really where the, well, the component of the 12-step program is really about uh, sort of surrendering, let go, let God is a common phrase in the 12-step program. Uh, and that's really what this is implying and what all of these systems are uh, opening us to is the presence of the divine within our lives and trusting that, not to stress ourselves out thinking that all these problems are ones that I have to control. Uh, that, first of all, it's impossible and it's, it's just running our head against a wall. So what uh, we're really cultivating here is the state of mindfulness to be fully present in the moment. And that's really the key here. So to do the work is about bringing a, uh, a mindfulness into each given moment. And this is where uh, as soon as I hear myself or someone say in my office, uh, in my practice, saying something that uh, is expressed with such certainty and it's a, uh, it's a dilemma uh, and they're making a judgment behind that, I find myself asking, well, is that really true? And what arises then is a capacity to sort of let go of the rigid hanging on to a sense of certainty and realize eventually that there's another way of looking at this. And that's, that's always where we want to go, to realize that if there's something happening in our life that is troublesome, if it's really causing us uh, a lot of consternation and doubt and angst and all of that, uh, and we just open up to this presence and consider the possibility that if it's happening, there's something that I may need to look at within myself. If I'm fighting it, if I'm resisting it, there's stress happening and there's a phrase, what we resist persists. And so the more I 
fight this thing, the more I'm sort of spinning my wheels, getting deeper and more stuck in that muck. So when I'm looking at this from another angle, I realize I can sort of lighten up and I can just say, okay, what is it that I'm able to do? And as long as I'm staying in my business, doing what I know is responsible for me, that's where I know that I'm uh, just needing to, uh, if I need to go any further, to just trust in this presence that is there by our side, guiding us, directing us all the time. So that's where we need to go, uh, I, th I would say. Um, to let go of the resistance, to let go of the, the stressfulness of getting into the business of others. And, and so uh, next week we're going to be uh, focusing on another system of Don Miguel Ruiz, the Four Agreements. So now to practice the mindfulness that is essential for all of these systems to be manifesting in our lives, we're now going to go through the Namaste Booster. And again, um, Coyote Oldman will be playing in the background. So just allow yourself to become present. And again, we talked about all those different ways of developing the strength of the power of the breath. But just become aware of your breathing right now. And notice the manner in which your body is taking breath in through the nostrils and maybe you can feel that subtle tensing of the diaphragm which is uh, flattening out beneath the lungs and the heart and pushing the belly out as you inhale and then exhaling the diaphragm relaxes and the breath flows out of the nose with a slight warming sensation you may notice in the opening of the nostrils. And just move into this gentle rhythm of the flow of the breath. And as you do that, just let go of the unnecessary tension. And as I always point out, if you are driving or doing something that requires your uh, conscious uh, attentiveness, certainly keep your eyes open and uh, attend to everything. But again, we're, we're talking about becoming mindful. So becoming even more mindful of whatever you may be doing, even you may be chopping vegetables or preparing a meal or what have you, um, to be mindful in the moment with the breath anchoring you into the moment and just letting go of any thoughts of the past or the future, any worrisome concerns, Realize that now is where stuff happens. Past is dead, the future is imagined. Just allow a letting go. And since we were talking about the work, just go over in your mind how you might cultivate this capacity to just be aware of when that judging is occurring. And then ask those questions. Is it true that this person shouldn't do this or that. And notice how the ego responds very quickly. Well, yeah, it's wrong. But then the next question, can I be absolutely certain? That's where we're moving into 
the unknown. And we don't know whether this is going to work out in a positive way, actually. And then look at the stress involved in the resistance, the judging. And consider how you might move into the moment and just love what is. And just notice then that there's something within my mind that I'm projecting outward. And when I look at that, I'm whatever wrongness I'm projecting, I'm perceiving externally, but it's really within my own thinking, and that's what I need to change. So with that, we'll just move into alertness again with a resolve to practice the work. So now I want to thank Ron Penska for engineering today's show. Thanks to Jay Merrill for the Bodhi Talk theme music, and thanks to you for listening and for supporting WJFF Public Radio. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste. From the Catskills to the Poconos and all the endless mountains in between, you tune to 90.5 WJFF, your community radio station. And it's 41 degrees in Monticello right now, and we have a high of 46 today, mostly sunny, partially cloudy tonight, dropping down to a low of 29. And on Friday, we have a 60% chance of rain, snow combination, and then showers likely with a high of 41 degrees. On Friday night, we have a 60% chance of snow showers, and on Sunday... Saturday, it looks like a nice sunny day with a high of only 35. On Saturday night, we're looking at mostly clear, dropping down to 21. And on Sunday, it looks like a nice sunny 52-degree day, almost spring here. And on Sunday night, it's going to be partially cloudy, dropping down to 35. And a nice uh, warm, uh, almost spring day on Monday, looking for a high of 58.